Hello, and welcome to another special episode of Second Chance Cinema called Be Kind, Rewind. Today we are doing our Village episode, which was recorded back in 2018. For a warning, this movie has a reveal. Not a twist, but a reveal. And we will get into what a reveal is. But if you have not seen The Village, you may want to wait to listen to the episode. Or we will tell you why knowing the reveal makes the movie that much better. We also get into things like Santa Claus and the Elf on the shelf. So if that might make it an awkward conversation for you and somebody else in the car, please pause the episode now and wait until you are wrapping presents in order to listen to this episode. As always, we appreciate you, dear listener, and we hope that you have a happy holiday season during this 2020 year. Enjoy the show. What manner of spectacle has attracted your attention so splendidly? I ought to carry it in my pocket to help me teach. Who came upon this? Philip, did you move this? No, Mr. Walker. I inspected it carefully. Its head was twisted back and much of its fur removed. I see. It was murdered. But who is the culprit? Who has done this heinous act? Those who don't speak of killed it. There it is. Why would such a notion come into your mind? They're meat eaters. Hmm? They have large claws. Children, those we don't speak of have not breached our borders for many years. We do not go into their woods. They do not come into our valley. It is a truce. We do not threaten them. Why would they do this? All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Second Chance Cinema. I am MC. My name is Spro. And we're here to talk about movies that don't get much love. Just run-of-the-mill movies that probably struck a chord in your heart, but either the critics didn't like it, or the fans didn't see it, the audience scores weren't there. <laughs> Something like that. It's basically movies that we think deserve a second chance. Mm-hmm. And we've done a couple episodes so far. Thank you all for listening. All, you know, handful of you. Right. It's a growing process. Yes. Yeah, thank you for growing with us. We'll provide the fertilizer. You provide the seeds. <laughs> Today we have another a drama, a mystery, a thriller. Yeah, I would say it's a thriller. A thriller. What we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and we're going to play the trailer and you can try to guess what it is. And while we play the trailer, I'm going to write a haiku, an ancient Japanese poem that describes the movie in great detail. <laughs> Here's the trailer. Listen up. We have always had, since the day we settled here, a gentle understanding with the creatures who live beyond our borders. We do not stray into their woods. They do not come into our village. 
I have always pictured them in some ways as our protectors. They have allowed us to live here, nestled amongst them in this untouched place. By the markings we find this morning on our homes, I feel they were warning us. We may question ourselves at moments such as these. Did we make the right decision to settle here? I fear our days of peace are over. Okay, so that was the trailer, and uh, here's the haiku. And the trailer does not say the title. No, the trailer, this that might be the first trailer that does not say the title. Right. So here's the haiku. They live in the woods. Terrible creatures surround. Refrigerator. See, there was a twist ending to that haiku, <laughs> which you weren't expecting, because, of course, this film is a film by the default master of twist endings, right. M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> The village. How do you say his last name? Shyamalan, I guess. I was looking because I always said Shyamalan. Shyamalan. No, it's not that. No, it's Shyamalan. Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan, if you pronounce it phonetically. The village. So the village. You want to explain the plot of the village or explain <laughs> explain the setup of the village? Well, I think, are we going to... We're going to discuss whether or not we're giving away the twist, right? I think we can probably give away the twist. This I, movie's 13 years old. Right, and I appreciated the movie when I knew the twist. Oh, did you see it before you knew the twist? No, the first time or I saw it, after I was... after you knew the twist? Right, and I think this is a problem when it comes to M. Night Shyamalan. Right. Is that people go in expecting the twist, looking for the twist, trying to figure out the twist, because everybody's minds were blown after the sixth sense. Right, which so, was 1999, I think. Right, and okay. so people are going into these movies being like, oh my God, my mind is going to be blown. And that is a pretty high bar to meet. Where this one, I wouldn't even say that so much as a twist, as more of a reveal on what is actually the circumstances to these people. What would be the difference? I think the twist is something that he was setting up to be just kind of completely different. And then he flips it on you. Where mm. this one, he's a storyteller. So he's telling you a story. And then an hour into it, not even at the very end, he goes, actually, this is part of their story. Mm -hmm. Is that it's all Santa Claus. It's all parents lying to their children. <laughs> Well, and for our children listeners, you, you're going to have to have a conversation with mom and dad now. Um, we're sorry about that. So, yeah, the plot of the village is pretty much these. There is a village in the woods of Pennsylvania. The people are living as if it's in the 1800s, and they are secluded to the cl a clearing in a field based off of the fact that there are mystical creatures in the woods that will hunt them if they go past the border. And we find the people of the village right before the border has been breached. They start finding dead things all around the grounds. Like warning si warnings, mm -hmm. basically. Almost like plague. Warning signs of the plague. But, okay, yeah. Uh, the beast, something is coming in. Something is killing these creatures. 
Joaquin Phoenix plays a character that wants to go past the border. He feels like he can, and he starts flirting with that. And when he does, it starts agitating the creatures. Right, and they start kind of showing up in the middle of the night and like scaring the residents, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, marking their doors. What happens is somebody gets hurt in the film, and the elders then decide, or one elder in particular, William Hurt, he decides that his blind daughter can go past the border in order to find medicine to help the hurt person. Uh Spoiler alert, the reason why she has to go past the border to get medicine is because past the border is present day, or at least 2004 society, and they're actually living in the Walker Preserve, which the elders set up so they can escape the violence of the world. They set up basically a giant nature preserve where they live undisturbed as if they're in the 18th century. It's basically a cosplay movie. Mm -hmm. So they live on... What what I was thinking was, this is pretty much the Amish if there was no highway going through their village. That's a good way to put it. And the creatures, the creatures turn out to be... Well, to talk about the creatures, I thought the creatures were pretty cool. Even before the reveal that the creatures were really just the elders dressed up right like they looked awesome they do one of my questions is are they dead pig heads like are they walking around with boar flesh over their Uh, face i just remember thinking it weird that they wore these red cloaks with spikes growing out of the back like porcupines like porcupines yeah which means that they had to be wearing those red cloaks for a long time for all those spikes to get so big Uh, that's what i took away from the movie yeah but the creatures themselves that was enough to make me like think oh this is this is pretty cool and then she goes into the woods there's a mishap with one of the citizens of the town he stumbles upon one of the costumes and puts it on and she thinks he's a monster and she ends up accidentally killing him and then she hops the wall she gets picked up by a park ranger she goes to the what is it like the ranger station yeah well she doesn't go or he goes oh yeah he's like wait right here goes to the ranger station where who plays the park ranger m night Night Shyamalan, but only in a reflection right is reading the paper and he he forbids the guy to give her medicine doesn't he and then the guy steals it he forbids her for talking he says don't conversate with these people when if, if you conversate with these people it leads to a whole lot of problems and the guy was like yeah no no sweat and then when Shyamalan goes back to his philadelphia inquirer right the guy sneaks in and pockets like penicillin or something right right <laughs> which is common i guess for <laughs> ranger stations yeah i think i mean As I, someone I've, without health insurance i was like what drugs are they going to get <laughs> i've never been <laughs> in, i've never been in a ranger station so i don't know but m night Shyamalan non does a bit <laughs> of a exposition where he explains for example why planes don't fly over this nature preserve <laughs> which to me was the biggest bullshit of it all because there's even if a plane didn't fly directly over the nature preserve you could still see a plane from the nature reserve right let's say the nature preservation is x miles wide imagine it like the metro parks right you can see planes taking off from hopkins from the metro parks so that was my biggest like uh, i don't know if i'm willing to forgive that particular detail 
Why didn't they just say that they were dragons or something <laughs> like that? This was probably my second time viewing it, mm-hmm. and I appreciated it so much more trying to because I know a lot of people had problems with the way they talked. But when the elders are by themselves, they talk normally. Like they just put in this heightened language to mm-hmm. try and pass on to their kids, like Bryce Dallas Howard, who mm-hmm. plays our lead. And this is her first role to mention that. Why are you on this porch? It is not safe. There are other porches. Do you find me too much of a tomboy? I do long to do boy things. Like that game the boys play at the stump. They put their backs to the woods and see how long they can wait before getting scared. It's so exciting. I understand you hold the record. It will never be broken, they say. It's just children's games. How is it you are brave when all the rest of us shake in our boots? I don't know worry about what will happen. Only what needs to be done. So this time going around, you're looking for those little nuances that they put in place. And when they're all sitting at the table at the beginning, it's also in the trailer, and they hear like a horn in the distance in the woods. I wondered, I was like, is that a truck horn? And that's kind of where this all came from is like, oh, there's monsters because they were hearing like uh, traffic going by on that on that roadway. Uh, that's right on the other side of the wall. So you've added, an, <clears throat> you've added another layer to this. I, and I wonder if, if there are more layers. Interesting to hear from our viewers if they pick up anything. And the part about the elders trying to establish a nature preserve leads back to the fact that I guess it was William Hurt's character was the. It started with someone in his family was murdered, Mm -hmm. right? And he went to like a grief counseling group. This is another part that I have a problem with. Okay. (laughs) He went to a grief counseling group, and it turned out all the people there were victims of you know, terrible tragedies and crimes and things like that. They overlay the dialogue that he speaks to the the group, right? Right. And he's like, hey, guys, I've got this idea. What was the purpose of our leaving? Let us not forget it was out of hope of something good and right. You should not have made decisions without us. You have gone too I'm far. guilty, Robert. I made a decision of the heart. I cannot look into another's eyes and see the same look I see in August without justification. It is too painful. I cannot bear it. You have jeopardized everything we've made. Who do you think will continue this place, this life? Do you plan to live forever? It is in them that our future lies. It is in Ivy and Lucius that this, this way of life will continue. Yes, I have risked. I hope I am always able to risk everything for the just and right cause. If we did not make this decision, we could never again call ourselves innocent. And that, in the end, is what we have protected here. Innocence! Beth, I'm not ready to give up.
Let her go. If it ends, it ends. Now that part to me right there, I'm not saying that it's it's so outlandish, but if I was in a tragedy recovery group and this guy came in and was like, hey, I got an idea. Let's all build a nature preserve and pretend to live in the 1800s. That might take a minute to settle in. Right, and Which it might have. They, it, true, they don't give a time frame between when everybody got on board and when he first mentioned it. Because it could have taken a few meetings after that. And a bit, well, the picture looked pretty 70s, 80s based on how they were dressed. The picture he showed of the group. Right. right. Which I don't know what grief counseling meeting all gets together for a group picture. <laughs> you never know. I actually made a note that if I was editing the film, I think I would have ended it or like put that scene right at the end of just, hey guys, I have an idea and then go to credits. What was the ending scene that, that it was? It's our hero girl coming back with the medicine. That's right. I was like, well, that's a strong choice because what she's pretty much saying is, I've seen the other world. It's like Rum Springer, you know, for right. the Amish. And she's <laughs> like, I've seen the other world and I choose this. Right. I choose you, choose you. So, yeah. So I forgot about the picture. Yeah. The picture shows everybody who are now the elders living in what was then modern society as part of this like grief group. Mm-hmm. First off, all the critiques of the film, the Amish. That's pretty much Ohio, Pennsylvania, right? From what I know. Because there's a lot of people out there that are like, who would want to live in these kind of times? And I'm like, there's a good population of Americans out there that have chosen a life of no electricity. I mean, and I've been to Amish country. I've never heard any legends of creatures. Chupacabra you know, but, or whatever. Uh, well, the Chupacabra, I think, is Mexican. The Bigfoot sasquatch he lives up in like the pacific northwest there's, oh the jersey devil is what i'm thinking of oh yeah is... well the jersey devil i don't think there's a huge amish population in new jersey <laughs> no but it's the still i think it's like the appalachian mountains that the jersey devil is coming from oh okay to steal cats or whatever oh i didn't know that was a part of it i think it's yeah it's like domesticated animals that it goes after that was the chupacabra well the chupacabra is the Mex- mexican goat sucker that's what I think it what? means. Yeah, it sucks the blood out of goats, I think is what it means. Oh, okay. It's the goat blood translation. Sucker. Like the, yeah, 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 yeah. Like the goat blood sucker. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, a goat sucker is a pretty good thing to shout out your driver's side window. Hey, goat sucker. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. So back to the village. <laughs> so the reason you've told me you think that people give this movie a bad deal is because it is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. And they were expecting something more. Right. So there's that population of people. The second population of people think that he ripped off a book by Margaret Peterson Haddix. I didn't know that. And I read the book on Monday because it's like a kid's book. It's like a 200-page easy read. And I really like Margaret Peterson Haddix does a thing with her authorship about it's like kid's books, but she dabbles in history and facts. You know, like if you have a kid out there looking at Margaret Peterson Haddix because she does a wonderful job. Her book called Running Out of Time, which Uh could be any movie or book title, it's about a group of people who live in the 1800s, but it's actually present day. And then the lead girl has to go out into the real world to find medicine for diphtheria because everybody is suffering from it. How is it a question that he did not rip that off? It's not so much a question of did he rip it off. The thing about the book is the first page, the mom goes, I have something to tell you. We're actually living in present times. It's actually kind of like Westworld where the public 
is hiding in the trees and they're hiding behind the mirrors and watching these people live in the 1800s. So this, it's this whole like little living museum oh, okay. that they got going on. Like the Truman Show? Right. So like the first page, the mom goes, we're actually living in 1800s. You're going to have to go out because we don't have the medicine for this diphtheria that's going around. And then the whole book is her in the real world asking like, what is this? What is this? What You know, it's as, almost as much of a ripoff as A Nightmare Before Christmas as the village is a ripoff of this book the whole book is her trying to figure out what a telephone is what a television is what roads are is she blind no okay there's a whole paragraph of a street light (laughs) so she okay so she goes out into the world the modern world with senses that can sense right the the, process process and then she makes a different choice where she goes back and brings the whole village into the 21st century Oh, she does. Mm-hmm. Ah. So there's no monsters. How does she do that? Does she bring back like Nintendos and stuff? She and- just tells everybody, you know, and everything. It's It gets unmasked because two guys in the real world planted diphtheria into their village or their 1800, 19th century lifestyle just to, as like a social experiment to see what happens when Whoa. you spread diphtheria. What and did they think was going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, like, so like the first thing that she does when she gets out is she gets into a field trip of students mm-hmm. wait from, she sneaks into a field trip yeah she sneaks out of her reality which is going through a door okay. onto the other side like backstage oh, okay and then there's a field trip of kids who are learning about these people that are living in 1800s oh so she sneaks into a field trip where they're learning about her own society right and so she's watching her dad you know make horseshoes stuff like that through a mirror her dad doesn't realize that he's being watched that's like 100 pages of the book, and then she escapes the field trip, and she has to find a telephone to call a guy to try and get the medicine. So it's hmm. roughly the same idea, but in the same instance, I think any like- creative person can look at, and I'm going to keep going back to it, but Amish living, and hmm. just create an idea out of that. M. Knight came up with bad color. He came oh, up I like with how you left colors. out his name. So we don't have to struggle with it anymore. And that's not even like his real name. He came up with all these factions of the story where that's the reason why Margaret Peterson Haddix said, you know, I'm not going to press charge, you know, like file a case against the movie. Like he came up with the creatures and he came up, or were the creatures part of the original story? No, there was no creatures. Okay, so he came came up up with with the creatures. The mythology and and everything like that. The color, yellow or whatever. I had a professor in college named Dr. Irobi who was from Nigeria and he was like, if you want to do anything truly original, put your lower lip over your head and swallow because nobody has swallowed their own head. And it was (laughs) that like stuck with me is that there's, it's very hard to find an original story nowadays. You know, even Avatar, which was supposed to be the most mind blowing event was pretty much a retelling of Pocahontas. So yeah, I think it was just another retelling of a similar story. I would be hard-pressed, and I would challenge anybody that it was a blatant ripoff. But she's got a lot of fans out there that lower Metacritic scores and IMDb scores for this movie that just say he ripped off her vision. Speaking of IMDb, let's read some of the some of the negative reviews. I feel like people will agree with you about the that this is an underrated film. Nice concept, poor execution. Very disappointed. Find read on to find out why. Let's read on. I think we should also point out that this is an Academy Award winning film. For what? Best score. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. 
We'll start with the aura-seeing blind girl. What does that mean? Oh, she could see Joaquin Phoenix's colors. Oh, okay. But she never says, like, I don't think she does, but I don't think she says she lives in, like, a world of darkness, you know? Like, I don't think... I feel like she still could tell light from dark. How did you know I was here? I saw you at the window. No. I won't tell you your color. Stop asking. When we are married, will you dance with me? I find dancing very agreeable. Why can you not say what is in your head? Can you not stop saying what is in yours? Okay. Because she's not like 100% living in the dark here. Okay, okay. Sometimes the film sweeps you away with its sensuousness, but in the end it leaves you feeling cheated. Talking about like the way the film is beautifully shot and stuff like that. I could agree with that. He's a good filmmaker. He's a good storyteller. I think in the future, if people go into an M. Night movie, I don't know if he's done a twist ending recently. The Visit didn't really have a... No, that was kind of a twist. And Split was a bit of a twist. Was Split a twist? I think he had like the reveal of he's going to try and start a universe. I mean, I guess, again, it it depends on what you define twist as. (laughs) You know, what what was the other one you said? Twist or Or reveal? Reveal. Yeah. So, yeah, Split was probably more of a reveal. Um, And what was the other one? The Visit? The Visit. That was kind of a little bit of both, I think. Because there was the Lady in the Water, which... I'll go on record saying I did not like. Yeah. Um, and then there was The Last Airbender, which I did not see. Which I did not see, which nobody did see. So one thing about this movie is Bryce Dallas Howard's first, she got all the acclaim. She was nominated for a bunch of awards for this, where I think if you're going to go out and find the village, which I think is on Netflix right now, Adrian Brody steals the show for me. Okay. I don't think he gets enough praise. I don't know if it's because he is playing mentally handicapped, but he does it so well that he steals every scene that he is in. Yeah, and spoiler alert, he's the one who she accidentally kills in the woods, and you feel bad. But actually, the one the one thing that, that was kind of clever is that like the elders are like, oh, now you've given legitimacy to the creatures mm-hmm. because they killed them. Yeah. Which was a little twisted, but worked for their mission. Right. And I wonder that part, because, oh, he found the the suit underneath floorboards and everything and went out with the suit. She's blind. So I feel like M. Night could have shot it where she thought it was a creature. And then the reveal at the end was, no, it was just Noah prancing around trying to get her. Noah is in love with her. That's the other thing that I really like about the village. It's a good love story. Yeah. It is a really good love story. It's set like around a thriller. Let's close the door. Lucius <laughs> is outside walking. They're coming. He's inside safe somewhere. Please close the door. He'll come back to make sure we're safe. Ivy, Ivy, please.
because it was a tri- it was like a triangle, right? Like she loved yeah, I mean, Joaquin she, Phoenix. I don't think anybody like a triangle has to have somebody liking all three corners, right? So I mean, like nobody liked nobody was trying to bet the mentally handicapped Adrian Brody. But didn't he like Bryce Dallas Howard? He liked yeah, he liked right. Bryce Dallas Howard. Joaquin Phoenix was kind of ambivalent. Yeah. Okay, so Just I guess staring that's off not a, into the distance. That's not a triangle, I suppose. <laughs> okay. Judy Greer plays Bryce Dallas's sister, and they then are sisters again in Jurassic World. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's a good that's a good connection. All these films are connected. They are, and I always like Sigourney Weaver. Right, she, she reminds me this. somewhat of my mom, actually. So that might really, be, yeah, they got the same coloring. I would say freckles and that kind of red hair. And then there's a little Jesse Eisenberg running around. You'll see it in the trailer. Even he's at the end of the table, just kind of like looking around, and he's got a couple lines here and there. Huh? He's the guy, actually. I think it was hard to tell. But he's the one standing at the edge of the border and everybody, and he's like trying to like master his fear with his back to the border and they're hearing twigs snap in the woods behind him. And everybody is like, oh, stop being a wussy. And he's like, I'm really scared, guys. When did the elders find time to do this stuff? I don't know. I mean, the same amount of time that parents, spoiler, earmuffs for kids, but the monsters are pretty much just elves on a shelf. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I mean, like, making the costumes and stuff, that seems like it would take a while. Well, that's why I wonder if they're just dead boar heads instead of, I can't see these people in the 1800s, like, paper mache Or, like, going to Joanne Fabrics or something <laughs> and picking stuff up. Like, before we go into this nature preserve, we need to get some art supplies. Yeah, that's <laughs> create the a first, monster. that was probably the first thing on the to-do list is we need to go to Hot Topic and we need to pick up some... <laughs> creature supplies and make these creatures <laughs> all right so wrapping up this is on roger ebert's most hated movies of all time list really it does not warrant that no definitely not it's on there with armageddon which certainly does not warrant that constantine don't know stargate don't know you haven't seen stargate with kurt russell james spader <laughs> a long time ago the usual suspects and Tommy Boy what? are all on that list. The usual suspects? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, Roger Ebert was a silly man. And Sounds then like... this was almost a rated R film. All they had to do was take out the sound effect of the knife stabbing to make it PG-13. Huh. That's why that scene is silent. Nice and easy. Mm-hmm. Which I think actually works better because you don't really know what's going on when the two men are facing each other. And right. And then Adrian Brody, will say, uh, is the stabber. Right. And he looks down and he's and got the bad color all over him, which is red. Right. They have to bury anything that's the color red in the village. Oh, because the creatures are attracted to red or right. something like that. Like right. bulls. Right. Like bull. Now, so we've been keeping a list of the films we were, we've reviewed so far, sort of like a running tally of what what's been the best average movie and down to kind of the worst average movie where would you rank this see this is hard because i rewatched it Mm -hmm. with the knowledge that these are people being lied to and i effing loved this movie like every minute sitting there watching the bryce dallas howard love story of her trying to get out i put this at the top really i would so you'd make the village the number one underrated movie Currently standing? Yes, I think so. But yeah, what do you think? I don't love it as much as Congo. I don't love it as much as Boiler Room. But I'm only one half of this equation. So in the interest of shaking things up, I'll agree with putting it at the top. And maybe we can stop at a top five so we don't lose our minds. (laughs) 
and <laughs> gradually movies can get knocked out of the top five. What do you think about that? That sounds good. Okay. The top five of most underrated. All right. So in talking about The Village, I think we can both agree that it, it wasn't, wasn't that, that bad. bad. Not and at all. And we'll see you later. All right. I'm back, Lucius. The Village was produced by Touchstone Pictures. It was distributed by Amblin Entertainment. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is from the film's Academy Award-winning soundtrack by James Noonan Howard. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you could reach us at secondchancecinema at gmail.com. That's 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MCNSpro or check us out on Instagram at and D-Chan Cinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. Leave a review wherever you listen and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. And isn't that really the whole point? Now go on and have a beautiful day, you wonderful person, you. And if you want to know what living in a village like this is like, visit your local Amish. I recommend the apple cider. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day.